0: And then, he said, he realized that, you know, how can I skip the khutbah? Because the khutbah is about the praise of Allah SWT. And if I'm a Sufi, and I'm a Salik, and I'm a lover of Allah, and I claim to love Allah, and guide people towards Allah SWT, and this is my condition that I can't, I want to skip, and it just takes a couple of minutes to read. In books, it's longer than what I just did for you verbally. And so then he said, so then I... Uh, stepped, you know, I put my foot on my desire to read that subject matter, and instead I read the khutbah and then he says, I never enjoyed reading a khutbah, never enjoyed reading a preface, introduction, as much as I did that day. Allahu Akbar kubina. Ajeeb. Right? So this is really the, it's a lesson for us that, you know, some of these small things that we do or that we do out of adab, sometimes we should pause and reflect about it, and reflect why we do it. And then we will really understand that there's a lot of power in these small things. You know, for example, most of us would have experienced in the month of Ramadan that when it was time to break the fast, we would have said, Bismillahi wa وَعَلَى barakatillah before we ate. And this might be something that we just say very quickly, just automatically, mechanically, right? Normally, whenever we eat during the year, but in Ramadan because we were waiting and maybe we were... <laughs> seated already, and you know, making dua, and looking at the food, and making dua, and waiting to hear the adhan, and then when we heard the adhan, maybe we said it with a lot of feeling, a lot of reflection, and so this is actually the first point I wanted to share with you today, is that it's very important in our deen, especially mashallah women like you who would come to a talk like this, means you pray salah and you probably fast must have fasted Ramadan and you probably read Quran and made du'a and trying to make zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that sometimes it's not just about more you know how to increase your quality sometimes it's not even just about increasing your consistency or your regularity sometimes it's just a simple increase your quality and your feeling and all, sometimes all that is required is to pause a little bit is to go a little slowly. And if you do that and you pause and you go a little bit slowly, then you will feel the meaning of what you're reciting or what you're praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this has been a constant uh, topic that we've been giving and I have been sort of doing it in different ways at the different venues. But this is an important thing uh, that I want you to reflect upon. Especially because in, Ram- in Ramadan, we can increase our quantity, right? And mashallah, everybody did that. We probably recited more Qur'an in Ramadan than we did normally. Probably prayed more extra salah in Ramadan than we did normally. Made more dua to Allah in Ramadan than we did normally, etc, etc. So now Shawwal is not the month. You cannot outdo your Ramadan, mashallah. This is the Karam and Fazl of Allah SWT. The amount of tafiq Allah gives in Ramadan normally for most people is more than they will get in Shawwal. So there's no question of you know, increasing quantity. In fact, we're going to try to retain as much of the quantity that we had in Ramadan, but what we can do now is increase in our quality. Pause and reflect. Do things slowly. You know, sometimes if somebody asks that, how can I improve my concentration in Salah? So then all we tell them is that, look, even if you just stay in your Salat a little bit longer, so we ask you, how many times do you say the Tasbih? In Subhanahu Rabbil Allah, how many times do you say it? So, if they say that I say it three times, we say, okay, do it five times. We say, I do it five times, they say, I do it seven times. They say, it seven times, they do it nine times, etc. Now, just adding two extra, just to say this sentence, Subhana, Rabbi al-A'la, two extra times, I think it takes ten seconds, five seconds each. Maybe less even, maybe three seconds each. So, just a ten second addition, slowing down our sajda, if you will, by ten seconds that can actually increase deeply your feeling and concentration and focus on Allah on your in your Salah. <clears throat> so this is something that now you can try to do. Especially, I'll give you an, another example, especially if there was any time in Ramadan that you had set... Aside for a series of ibadat, for example, if you had made some schedule like this in Ramadan when it's zohr, after zohr you will read half of Quran and you recite some salawat on the Prophet sallallahu All right, and now maybe you're more rushed, or you go back to teaching or whatever it is that you do. So now you can't do that same quantity of Ibadah at that same time that you were doing it in Ramadan. Or another maybe better example is at night. So at night you were praying Salatul Tarawih, right? Whether you're praying alone or maybe your son is mashallah Hafiz and he led you a tarawih in your own house. And so now at night you won't be able to spend as the same amount of time. So in any such instance or any such time in your daily schedule where you can't spend as much time in Shawal as you spent at that time, so much time in Ramadan, try to retain the quality. Try to focus on the quality. Try to pray a really good Isha Salah. Because you say, okay, in Ramadan I was doing Isha plus 20. More rakats right? Now at least I should try to pray Isha really well. So this is one point I was trying to make. I wanted to share with you today. Is try to reflect and take things a bit slowly. Second, is to make Shukr of the bounties and blessings of Allah Taala slowly. I means, by slowly I mean, that really reflect. So for example, you can be grateful that you have children. Okay? Then you could go deeper into that. you I'm grateful to have children. I'm grateful, let's say some of you have sons and daughters both. I'm grateful to have both male and female children. I'm grateful to have healthy children. I'm grateful to have children who I can spend time with. I'm, you can go on and on and on, so many things. So take some one ni'mah, a single bounty and blessing that Allah has given you and try to see how many different ways you can make sugar for that one blessing. You can make sugar for food, Allah I'm grateful that you gave me the food. That I can chew the food, I can taste the food, I can enjoy the food, I can Digest the food that my hunger goes away because of the food. You might remember Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran that one aspect of the food that will be given to the people of Jahannam is that it won't quench their hunger. Allah it, Akbar I was thinking, even you know, because when this when this ayah came up when we recited it in Ramadan, I remember pausing and just reflecting upon it again. And this is a type of punishment. So a person is hungry, and you give them food, but the food doesn't satiate them at all. It doesn't put a single debt in their hunger. So now what's gonna happen? Because they're even they're still hungry, they're more hungry and there's nothing else to eat, right? So they're gonna keep eating out of the hunger. So it's almost Awzabillah Milata save us from this punishment of Jahannam. It's like a self inflicted punishment then. Because then the people of Jannah will be starved and starved and this will go on forever. For those who, some people like many of me and you might end up in Jahannam for some time. And we should be scared. And it's very important actually because every time we talk about Jahannam, we should not just think that it's the forever Jahannam which is for the unbelievers. That's one type of duration. And there's another duration that will be less than forever. Less than 10 billion years is also less than forever. A 100 trillion years is less than forever. All we know is that the Muslims who go into Jahannam will burn because of their sins that they didn't make toba from, and we don't know how long that is. All we know is that less than forever. Doesn't mean it's going to be one minute. It's just less than forever. Hmm? And so for however long any person is in Jannam, they will start hungry, they will stay hungry, they will remain hungry, they will keep getting more hungry. Then because they have no other choice, they that extreme hunger, they will just eat that food that is in front of them, and that food will burn them, that food will, food will prick them, that food will not make a single dent in their hunger. But they'll still eat it themselves. Allahu Akbar And this is just one of the many different punishments that Allah swt mentioned in Quran and Allah taala inspired Sayyidina Rasulullah mm-hmm. to teach us in Hadith. Hmm? So you know, sometimes when you remember that, it makes you do a lot of sugar for this food and this dunya, right? That you can taste it, that you can chew it, taste it, enjoy it, sweet or bitter, salty, spicy, whatever, and that you will, and that it does actually fill your stomach, it satiates your hunger. Hmm? So try to go deeper in quality, and this doesn't take more time, because all the time you're eating, while you're eating, you make the sugar. So don't you have to take out separate time for that? So if it takes you 20 minutes to eat a meal, you have 20 minutes to do sugar. You know when these great mashayik and ikram and pious people and salahine, when they're quiet when they eat, there's a reason they're quiet. It's not just it's not just this that oh you know Masa, they don't engage in futile conversation. That is there, but. It's not that they're just empty. They're not sitting blank. They're in a state of remembrance, zikr of Allah Taala. They're in a state of reflection, fikr. They're in a state of gratitude, shukr. They're in a state of contemplation, tadabbur. They're things that go on in the button, And this is why they would prefer not to talk so much. Because talking was a distraction from their zikr, from their fikr, from their tadabbur. Hmm? Now for me and you, because we don't have that fikr or zikr, so we just chat. We chat away. Right? We can't conceive of of actually having even a single meal where we sit in silence. Not some stone cold silence, some anti-social silence. Not like that. Obviously if they're children and family, it's different. But if you're an adult and you happen to be having a meal or a snack or a tea, you can sit quietly and then make this exercise that while you sit quietly, eat whatever you're eating, you make sugar to Allah's quality sugar quality, contemplation, reflection, quality sugar to Allah Think how many ways you can make sugar. And really, you know, if you do that, that's, that's, that will be as powerful as if I tell you to make 10 minutes zikr. And this is beautiful because this is, this is an extra time, it's the same 10 minutes it took you to eat. Really, if you eat, it's like a wazifa. You know, people say, I want to give me another wazifa. Wazifa weird, that means give me another zikr regimen, give me another particular zikr to add to my daily routine. Well, you know, there are many things you're doing, such as eating. I can give you other examples. You could just convert that into zikr. You can convert that into reflection on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> so this is what I was calling doing shukr slowly. Hmm? Doing shukr slowly. Not just that, obviously, it's sunnah, and we will say Alhamdulillah after we eat, and we will say bismillah before we eat, and between that bismillah and that Alhamdulillah, try to do shukr of Allah Again, you can't do it every time because sometimes you will eat socially, and especially if that's your family, Deen of Islam Allah, wants you to be social, friendly, happy, joyous with your family, mm-hmm. but sometimes try to have reflection when you eat. Try to convert your act of eating so cool. to an act of shukr and zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> Alright. So again, you can see I'm showing you very small things. Small, small things. Ramadan is the month where you come closer to Allah Ta'ala in the big things and Shawwal is the month where you're going to come closer to Allah Ta'ala in the small things and don't undervalue the small things but you have to do them with feeling you have to do them with feeling alright another thing that we've been telling uh, in the different ladies gatherings but again I'll try to do this in a slightly different way for those who listen to all of them in recording or on broadcast is sunnah du'as alright you should pick some sunnah du'a, either one that you already know or one that you don't know and that you maybe pick up a book or booklet and circle one that you like. So maybe you read it in English or you read it in Urdu and, and the meaning appeals to you, the feeling inspires you, you feel motivated by it, so then you should circle it. And now you should work on this. Yes it's du'a, but you can use this du'a as a zikr. You're going to use the du'a as a weird wazifa You're going to use this du'a to get so much feelings in your heart for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one example of du'a like that is Sayyidina Rasulullah And you know, one thing I will tell you that when the Prophet made these du'as, he was not making them because they were sunnah du'as. Right? He was making them because at that moment, for the first time he made it, was because... At that moment, for some reason, he had some feeling in his heart. And then he wanted to express and share that feeling with Allah S.W.T. And then when he saw that feeling, this feeling, brought him closer to Allah S.W.T., so that was a private Amal. Then later on, he publicly shared that du'a. Maybe he publicly made the du'a so Sahibekram could hear him, or maybe he made it in his own home so one of his ummahatul mu'mineen could hear him as al and later tell the ummah. Or he verbally told the Rab, then made du'a to Allah, to Allah, like this. So he shared it. This is called Ta'limah. He shared it as part of his knowledge and training and instruction to Rab. And when you his different du'as, a number of things will happen. Number one, one thing that might happen is that you will be amazed, you will be stunned that Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ made this du'a. For example, the Prophet made du'a, "Allahumma إني أعوذ بك من الشرك That, O Allah, I seek refuge in you from shirk. Now obviously shirk can happen. Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ can never do shirk. It's inconceivable, unfathomable, impossible. He used to make the duatullah. And it wasn't just to teach us, it was a condition of his heart. What? So what happens is that when you really, really value something, when you value something so much that you think it's the greatest thing, then you have a fear of losing it. It's not a rational fear. It's an irrational fear. Irrational there's no way you can lose it. But because you value it so much, so much, it's so dear to you that irrationally, in an irrational way, you fear losing it. So Nabi Karim he loved this Iman and Tawheed so much, and he did so much Qadr of it, and he valued it so much. Hmm? So even if it was absolutely permanent in him, he was inseparable from Tawheed, even then he made dua to Allah ﷺ, Allah ﷺ, Allah that Allah ﷺ, seek refuge in you from shirk. La so that's like I told you, slow appreciation, deep qadr, deep valuing. So some du'as you will find like that. Then there will be a second type of du'a. Second thing that could happen to you is that when you see a du'a, Nabi Akram sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam, it will resonate with you. Resonate means that you will say, no, that's exactly what I'm feeling. But I couldn't find such good words to express my feeling to Allah sallallahu wa sallam. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's du'a is capturing the feeling of my heart. So there are many examples of du'as like that. So one example we are trying to get our friends to recite more. So the Prophet sallam, he made this du'a. رَبِّ أَعْتِي النَّفْسِ تَقْوَاهَا anta أَنْتَ خَيْرُ مَنْ ذَكَّهَا So Rabbi, oh my Rabb, Atin nafsi bestow on my nafs taqwa ha, its taqwa. Now here at first the question arises that why didn't the Pasama say Rabi Attin nafsit taqwa that bestow upon my nafs Al Takwa, right? At taqwa? So the reason is that Allah Swan has already put taqwa in our nafs. Remember in Quran for Al Hamaha Fujurahawa Takwaha. That Allah Santa has already inspired, placed, embedded, imprinted on the nafs, both its fujur and its ability to do rebellious evil and open sin, وطقوها, and its ability to adopt purity and piety. So because obviously the Prophet he was sahib quran he knew this ayah of Quran, so he made du'a to Allah, SWT, Allah Taala, Allah grant my nafs its own taqwa. Meaning the taqwa that you have put in it, unlock it inside, unlock it. And now when me and you, not the Prophet, but when me and you make this du'a, we can think that, ya Allah, I the only thing I seem to be able to unlock in my nafs is its fujur. You said, alhamaha mm-hmm. fujooraha wa taqwaha, that you put in it fujur and taqwa. Me, I seem that all I can, I can seem to get out of my nafs is fujur. So, Ya Allah, you bestow upon my nafs its taqwa. Was hmm? وَزَكِهَا And then, Ya Allah, you purify my nafs. Where Allah, Ta'ala, Surahman, got aflaham man zakaha. Successful is that person that they purify their nafs. So we say, Ya Allah, we try. We make niyyah, we make intention, we have irada, we have, you know, desire and wish and plan of action, that we we're trying to do tasks of our nafs, but we're not being properly successful. So we're asking you, Allah SWT, ta'ala, that you do tazkiyah of it. <speaking in foreign language> okay, I'm also someone who does of my nafs as you commended, <speaking in foreign language> but you, Allah, wa anta, and you, Allah ta'ala, you are the best of the ones who can do tazkiah of the nafs. You can do the best tazkiah of my nafs. It would be best if you did tazkiah of my nafs. Allah huh? Akbar. And Allah S.W.T. has mentioned that in Qur'an. Allah Taala says, وَلَكِنَّ اللَّهَ يُزَكِّ yasha." But indeed Allah Taala purifies this tazkiah of whose ever nafs may yasha, whomsoever he wants. So in that means and in this dua we're asking Allah that we want that you should want to do tasky of our nafs. We want you to make irada of our taskya. We want you to make amr hukum, we want you to decide on this. Hmm? Sudden so the k awesome ended, that Anta Ya Allah you Anta waliuha you are the wali of my nafs. Allahu Akbar, you are the wali of my nafs. You are the benefactor, guardian, patron of my nafs. You are the wali of my nafs, not even my wali, of my nafs. Hmm? Obviously, because God, uh وَمَا سُوَّهَا Allah has taken kassim in Qur'an al Surah al-Shams, of the nafs. And Allah tells the being, Allah Ta'ala did tasweer to nafs, he fashioned it, he formed it. wa so Allah Ta'ala, you are the wali of my nafs. Anta Wali yuha wa maulaha. Ya Allah, you are the Mola of my nafs. You are the master of my nafs. So me, I'm abdul nafs. I'm the slave of my nafs. I'm a creature of my desires. That's why I can't do tazkiyah. My nafs is dominating me. But you, Allah, anta wuliyuha wa maulaha. You are the wali of my nafs and you are the master of my nafs. So you can command it. You can make it pure. Hmm? So this is the dua of Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This shows Obviously again the Prophet Strictly speaking theological speaking In terms of her Aqidah Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Had a pure nafs There's no question That the Prophet needed taqwa needed tasqia, Right Now the reason the Prophet made this dua again Was because this was so beloved to him And he wanted more He wanted more everything in life He always wanted more We were telling the men the other night that in the Battle of Badr, the Sahabah Ram had so few uh, mounts, steeds, right? Can be camels, horses, etc. And so much so that there was three person to one mount. And so what was decided was that they would rotate. They would take, let's say, like three shifts. And one person would ride and two people would walk. And then they would rotate, then another person would ride, he would get off and then he would walk. So Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Ali and one other Sahabi were a three-man team, right? And then Sayyidina Ali and the other Sahabi, they decided that they will not let the Prophet ﷺ walk, and so they will both give up their shifts to ride, so that the Prophet ﷺ rides all the time. So when the Prophet ﷺ realized that this is what they want, he said no. And first thing he said to them, that am I not healthy? Am I not healthy and physically fit enough to walk? So why should I get? What he meant was, why should I get this special treatment that I ride? And second, he said that I am as needy of the sawab as you are. In other words, that if you let the other person ride and you walk, and you let the other person ride, you look at sawab. So the Prophet he wanted that ajr, he wanted that sawab. Allah even though he's a Nabi, he's the greatest human being. He's going to get the greatest amount of ajr, greatest amount of sawab. But he said, but why should I miss out? Remember what I told you: the small things matter. Hmm? I mean, look, for Sayyidina Rasulullah we can't even imagine what type of darajat and what type of rank he has and what type of rewards he has and what type of merits he has. And this is a small thing, one-third shift of walking. But the small things matter. Hmm? Small things matter. Allahu akmar. So, this is why the Prophet would also sometimes make these du'als. Because he just wanted more and more and more. Hmm? More Tazkiyah, more Taqwa. Unlimited. And in fact Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said إِلْنَا تَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ That indeed we be have bestowed upon you الْكَوْثَرِ The uh, the Abundance. And Ajeeb, you should, you should read your tafsir. And the ummah of Tafsir have given so many of Allah Akbar. Beautiful, deep explanations of الْكَوْثَرِ What does it mean? Hmm? And one of them is this, that the deep abundance is uh, in a, in a unending, infinite Tazkiyat, taqwa, kurb to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala earning the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So here this is an example of a Dawa of Nabi sallallahu So we spoke to you so far about a couple of things Number one is to Try to focus on the quality of your salah, your ibadah Maybe sometimes slow down a sajda Then we said to do sugar, slow sugar, And we give the example of food And number three was to make use of the Sunnah Duas of Nabi Ibrahim but with understanding, so you get the feeling. Now this notion of understanding and feeling, this is actually the ruh, or the core, the asl, uh, you know, the essence of all ibadat, all dhikrathkar, all acts of worship, all forms of remembrance of Allah SWT, is to do it with understanding, so you get the feeling. They are sometimes, Sometimes, no doubt, and that probably happened for everybody in Ramadan, that you can get the feeling without understanding. But, how can I explain? At that time, you do have an understanding. So let me explain. That if you're reciting Qur'an in Ramadan, or like I said, if your son was Hafiz and he was leading you home at home in tarawih, so maybe, let's say, you have not yet studied the entire Qur'an with meaning, or you studied it, but you, don't, you didn't remember it, you didn't master the language enough, so you did go through it, but when your son was reciting, you didn't understand everything, okay? So this is a situation where you didn't have understanding. Let's take one rak'ah, and you recite something in Tarawih, and you don't have understanding. You can still get feeling. And the way you still get feeling is, okay, you might not understand the translation of what's being recited, but there is something you do understand, and you understand it's Qur'an. You understand it's Kalamullah. You understand that you're standing inside Salah. You understand that Allah is listening to this Quran being recited right now. You understand that Allah is looking at you in salah. <laughs> that you should worship Allah as if you see Him. You understand that. And if you're not able to worship Him in such a state as if you're seeing Him, then at least worship Him in such a state that you are aware that He is gazing upon you. So there's a lot of understandings you have, even if you might not know the translation of that particular passage being recited. Hmm? Sheikh Razamani Zamani mentioned that there was once a woman who was illiterate, so she couldn't read Qur'an, but she used to read Qur'an every day. So it was strange. The woman is was illiterate she could not read Qur'an, but she could read Qur'an every day. How would she read Qur'an? She would make wudu, she would open her copy of Qur'an, she would take her index finger, and in every ayah she would touch it, every line, every every line, since so this ayah is more longer than line, every line she would say yeh bi hai, ye bi hai. And she would affirm that this is true, I believe in it. Next line, this is true, I believe in it. She would say this, this is how she would read Qur'an. Next line she would say, this is true, I believe in it. This is true, I believe in it. And she read the whole Qur'an like that. But then not read Qur'an, but she went through the whole Qur'an like that. Aji? she, this is called in a She attested with her heart to the truth of the contents of every line of the printed copy of Qur'an she had with her. And that's how she went through Qur'an. I'm thinking when I heard that story, that maybe there might be some woman who's speed racing, reciting through Qur'an just so she can make sure she finishes khatam number X in the month of Ramadan. And there's this woman, old woman, illiterate woman, going slowly, touching each ayah. Who knows? Hmm? Maybe the woman who couldn't even read, but she had such a love for Qur'an. such There was so much azmat. Azmat, yani so much, uh, you yani know, the splendor and grandeur of Qur'an was so much in her heart. Maybe Allah rewarded her more, even though the woman who was able to actually was literate and could actually recite, sight, read and recite the whole Qur'an. Hmm? So sometimes you can reach Allah's mantra without understanding. You can have feelings without understanding. Hmm? But, but no doubt, it is a good idea that you should try over time to make a niyah that you want to understand Qur'an al Few of you. There are few of you who study with my wife on the online course. I think there's a handful of you In Lodium. Uh So you, those of you who do, you know that she just finished uh, her teaching, her tafsir over four years. Four years, Alhamdulillah, she completed teaching the women the tafsir of the entire Quran. But four years because it was done on a part-time basis. It was just twice a week for one and a half hour each session. And so that much, and I felt it. Alhamdulillah, my wife completed it. That this is an Ardeen we call it itamam-e-hujjit. That she has now established this. That if there is a woman who says, no, I'm too busy. A woman says, I can't master the Arabic language. A woman says, okay, I have many children. A woman says, I'm a teacher, I'm busy at school, etc., etc., etc. But who can't give two sessions a week for one and a half hour? For understanding whole Qur'an. They say, it will take you four years to do so. But what is four years? And I know that the women who are were students... They felt, you know, that Alhamdulillah it passed by. And you know, at the start of any venture, any endeavor, it might appear difficult, but you just have to stick through it. Any of you, any of you have children, you know, four years pass like anything. If you have an eight year old child, you say, just yesterday I remember him being four year old. Hmm? But Alhamdulillah, if you pass the four years like this, that across the four years you understand that the seer of the entire Quran, Alhamdulillah, hmm? and to share with you another thing, you know, most of them, I can't say every woman said this or wrote that, but many of them said this, that as soon as they ended, they just wanted to start it again. They just want to do it again, and again, and again. And that's why it's the sunnah also. Why strictly, you can't say not sunnah, that's why it's the adab, the adab of Quran recitation. When you complete your recitation of Quran, you immediately go and you would have heard the Imam does this in Tarawih. You immediately go and recite again, the first ruku, at least of Surah Baqarah. Because there's no ending to our need for recitation. So as soon as they finish Kulaludu bin Nas, immediately they go and recite the first ruku of Surah Bakara. Hmm? That we complete only to start again. Hmm? Now obviously Ramadan, we're not going to start fasting again. But you have to keep these activities up. Keep your ibadat up, zikr up, dua up. Keep trying to come closer to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And this was some comments on your ibadah and zikr. And you know the other talks that we gave earlier on the trip in Newburgh. We may have on this more. And you can get the recordings of those talks from your friends over here today. So let me now shift to a second topic. Let me now shift to a second topic. That is <coughs> raising of children. Raising of children. Now it's very important... Uh, And the most important thing is that we want to raise our children on Deen. Now, many times, and no doubt that is correct, by raising children on Deen, it also means that we want them to pray their Salah five times, we want them to go to Maktab, go to Quran class, so there's a whole list of acts, actions, activities that we want them to do. But there's something deeper also that's very important, and we can't lose sight of this deeper thing. We can't lose sight, and this, that is, that we must have, the children, must have yakin and etimad on their deen. They must have absolute certainty and faith and dependence on their deen. So, Mahakam Raza was sharing with us something that Malana Abul Hassan Ali Nadir Ramthalai, they call him Mulana Ali Miya for short, right, great alam of deen of India, and that he said, once on the 27th night, of Ramadan, twenty-seven night, Mayan, that the most important thing for the youth, is they have a confidence about their deen. That they have yakin and on their deen. And then he gave this example, that you know some people, they critique the youth, that they only show up in Ramadan, or they only show up in Jummah. Right? But the reality is, is that if they come for Jummah, yes, obviously we wish they came to Fajr, the same way they came for Jummah, but the fact that they come for Jummah, or the fact that they fast Ramadan, or the fact that they show up in the masjid on the night of the 27th of Ramadan, all of these means that they believe in Allah SWT, they believe in Deen, they believe something's going to happen a little together, they want something, some khair, they show up, they come to Jummah, they believe in Salah, and so we have to really value this belief of theirs. And we have to bring them to a Yaqeen on Deen. Yakin on Deen. So I'm going to mention three things, and this is a, actually a course... That we are hoping to teach children, uh, you know, sometime after a few months, inshallah. And what we did is we took this idea, is that this is actually the first time I'm sharing this with anybody, and that is that, uh, from two things. One, it comes in the hadith, it's the same idea, I got it from two hadith, that we will be asked some questions in our grave, right? Man mannabiyuk, maadinuk, that who is your Rabb? What is your, who is your Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? What is your deen? Okay, then there's a dua that Prophet Sallallahu that he taught us. Another very important dua that we should make and we should use. رَذِيتُ islami رَبَّ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ muhammadin Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That I'm pleased, and you were talking to Allah SWT, I'm Radi. And remember what did Allah SWT say about Nafsul and Qur'an? The first thing is Radi. radhi. يَا 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 rabbiki radiyatan يَرْجِيَ يَ so radheetu, radheetu billahi rabba, that I am Radi, I am pleased, I am happy, I am overjoyed, it's the delight of my heart, nothing could bring me more delight other than that Allah, you are my Rabb. Hmm? I'm happy to have you as my Rabb, if you want to put it in slightly informal English. I'm oh, I'm thrilled that you are my Rabb. I'm thrilled that Allah is my Rabb. And that Islam is my deen. Hmm? Islam is the be all and end all of my life. Islam is my lifestyle. Islam is my mizaj, my manhaj, my personality, my temperament, my outlook. Hmm? And I'm so happy that Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi sallam, he is my Nabi. I'm so happy to have him as a Prophet. I'm so happy that he is my Prophet. So same three things. What we had in mind was to do a small little series. Who is Allah? What is Islam? And who is the Prophet Wasallam? Because a lot of children don't know these things. If you, if they, and by children I'm, I'm really focusing here on the nine, you know, nine to fourteen-year-olds. That's where I would pitch this at. All right? They don't really know who wa fattah is. They have some basic understanding, but then when it comes time, because you see, at ten, you have to tell your children to pray. Right At seven you start teaching them to pray At ten you have to in- enforce them to pray Right? So now What happens when this enforcement stage Starts in childhood That we're making them pray Then later on depending on When they mature, making them fast Making them this, this, this in other words, When they enter the do's and don'ts phase Then they don't really know much about Allah Ta'ala. In fact then sometimes They decline into this That Allah is the being that my mom forces me to pray to him That's all they know about Allah SWT Right? They don't know anything else. They don't know anything about Islam except it's something I have to do. So who is Allah? What is Islam? Who is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? What is Islam? And who is Rasulullah Sallallahu wa Alaihi Wasallam? But everything. Now you don't have to be an alim or alima to do this. Anything you know about Islam, you should tell your children. So who is Allah? Allah Taala is the one who gives us this food to eat. Allah is the one who gave us this roof over our head. Then share with them short, short ayat. Short duas. Allah is the one who forgives people. Allah is the one who guides people. Allah is the one who sends mercy on people. Allah is the one who told the people who don't believe in Him, "Ya ul-Hansab, ma bi Al Kareem." He reached out to them with love. That what has deluded you about Me, Allah is the one who turns to those who even turn away from Him. Allah is the one who, being Who, accepts it when you say sorry so many things not, not everything I just told you all of you know that you don't have to be some big alim mufti shaykh to know these things but we don't share these things with our children when we enter the enforcement stage because then I'm not saying you have to do that obviously we have to do everything we can to make our children pray but I feel that this would help if the children knew who Allah SWT was then they would start having more positive feelings towards Allah SWT then they would want to pray more and children are children they're not always going to want to pray there's always going to be some element of trying to enforce it, trying to, you know, call them to it, remind them of it, wake them to it, push them for it, punish them for not doing it, etc., etc. Right? But the more they know about Allah okay, then you open up something inside the prayer. Who is Allah? Allah is the one who asked you to make duatim for guidance and in the Salatul Allah is the one who sent the Prophet Sallallahu Sallam. So you have to think. So who is Allah? So many things, and then especially, Mashallah, those of you who do try to study Quran, learn your Deen, making du'a. So whenever you find anything that you think is soft, anything that you think that will, Inshallah, attract your child, you should share it with them. You should constantly be telling them who is Allah, who is Allah, who is Allah, so they get a deep understanding. Same thing. What is Islam? So. You know, don't just assume that because you have made these Indian, Gujarati, whatever communities, that your children will be safeguarded. They're going to go to school, some of your children might go to university, they're going to be exposed to non-Muslims, they may see things in the news, the media, they need to know the is. They need to know the is the one that says you should love your neighbor, Islam is the one that says the husband and wife should love each other, and you're not going to be able to say that sentence unless you yourself are happily married. Right? So, you know, a lot of... When you do dawah to your children, it really makes you fix yourself in your own home, in your family life. Because otherwise, it'll be insincerity, it could even be bordering on hypocrisy, right? But you have to tell them these things. Islam is the religion where there should be peace, Islam is religion where there is justice, Islam is this, Islam is that, and that. Again, I just gave you a few sentences, there's so many things that you should know, right? So what is Islam? It can't just be, okay, the religion of my parents or the religion I was born into. No, 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 no. Once, as soon as they hit nine, definitely ten, but I'm putting it one year earlier so that the concepts should be there before they hit ten, Islamically, from the lunar years, and then because then they hit ten, you had, the enforcement stage starts. So you should add, strive to build the concepts one year before. So what is Islam? So they should love Islam the same way you love Islam. The way a convert talks about Islam, Put the put the speech of the convert on for them. And, and listen, say, listen, this is what a white person in America says Islam is. This is what a white person in England says Islam is. So who is Allah? What is Islam? And third, who is Nabi Akhreem sallallahu alaihi wasallam? You tell your children that. Not just the rote thing that they learn in maktab, these last and final prophet, but who, who is he? Who was he? What was he like? What was his personality like? The children, many children, they don't know that. The, the words might have been said because that's classroom teaching, that's at home, this is the real job of the mama. This is what's called terbiyat. This type of terbiyat, the classroom teacher, maktab teacher, can't do it. And the same way the parent does it. The classroom teacher can just put out the facts of the sirah. But you have to sit down with your child and make them understand the sirah. Make them understand. Because it doesn't click in the classroom. In the classroom, you can teach them the lesson. Oh, when the Prophet came back to fatta he forgave everybody. But it's not going to click, you have to sit down with the child and say, look, he was a very forgiving person. You know, there was this one person, and they really hurt the Prophet وسلم. But when he came and decided to forgive them, so your child might even ask, mommy, why did you forgive him? I would be angry with him. They need to know. You keep going at it until they understand who the Prophet وسلم was. They really understand his character. Then they will love the Prophet وسلم. When, when they're introduced to who is Allah, they will love Allah taala." When they get truly introduced to what is Islam, they will love the deen of Islam. And when they get truly introduced to who is Rasulullah sallallahu they will fall in love with the Prophet sallallahu So rather than me wait to make the course, we thought we would just start telling you, and you people should start. In fact, you may come up with ideas and you email them to me, and you can make the course for me. huh? Yeah, and it's not a difficult thing to do. So this is a very basic thing. And along the way you should make zikr make du'a but make it repeatedly as the zikr Raditu Billahi Rabbah, Wabbil Islami bi Muhammad, Muhammadin Nabiya Sallallahu Allahis. That's enough. These were a few pointers we wanted to give you. And these are so the summary is basically you the work goes on, Ramadan ends, Sirat mustaqim continues. The path towards Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala continues. Alright? And now you need to focus on your ibadah Because alhamdulillah that was a big thing That you did manage to focus on In Ramadan So you want to continue that after Ramadan And you want to focus on your children Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That save yourselves And save your al So in the first instance al means Your immediate family So save yourselves and your immediate family nada from the fire of Jahannam And you should you think about this first all the time Think when you're about to sit down And you have free time and think you need, you need to do that extra gardening And that extra baking and fashion magazine Looking and mall shopping Think, recite to yourself nada. Is there any more I need to do for that? Is there any more effort I need to put to save myself from Jannam? Is there any more effort I have to put in myself to save my immediate family from Jannam? Or am I really totally free from that? Am I really done with all that that I can afford to spend two hours randomly just walking around the mall? Hmm? Think, really, these ayat you should, you know, it's, we call in Arabic this is called istihdar. You should constantly be mindful of these ayat. You should be reciting them to yourself in your head. You should be reciting themself, themself it to yourself in your heart. Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum Make dua to Allah. Ya to do Amala. anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. Make it almost like a craze. Make it craze because that's the purpose of our life. That's the purpose of our life, and it's a very good ayah to direct your for those of your mothers to direct your mothering. Your mother instinct in the right direction. The real mother is this. hmm, That has fikr for her child's akhira. People think the real mother is the one who has fikr for her child's dunya. The real mother is the one who has fikr for her child's akhira. But understand this is a very important sentence I told you. There's a lot in there. Real mother is not the one who just has fikr for her child's dunya. Real mother is the one who has fikr for her child's akhira. (laughs) Ku (laughs) <laughs> May Allah tell and give all of us, me, most needy and all of you, also tawfeek to, to do Amalan on what we heard and said today. Wa <laughs> akhirat da'wana. And in Hamduninahe <Yeah>. lam bin alami. Make the wa subhanahu ala min ala. Wa hava Allahumma ala seeruna Muhammad. Wa la'ali seeruna Muhammadu wa barikus salim. Rabbana zalamna an nafusana wa inlam takfir lana wa tarhamna lalakunan na manal Rabbik firwan hamma anta khairul rahimeen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, I said, You forgive us for our sins, forgive us for our shortcomings, forgive us for our laziness, forgive us for our inadequacies, forgive us for our weaknesses. Ya Rabbi Kareem, I said You make us strong, mu'mineen, steadfast, mu'mineen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, give us tawfiq to do amalanku anfusukum ahlikum nara. Ya Rabbi Kareem, keep us away from every act and every gathering, and every pastime, and every hobby that was displeasing to you, that is disliked by you, you know, become guide our heart, inspire our heart, attract our heart to any and everything. It is pleasing to you Beloved to you Will draw us closer to you Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi ask That you give us tawfiq To make true shukr. Ya Rabbi We are drowning In your bounties and blessings Ya Rabbi Kareem, Make us deep in our shukr, Contemplative in our shukr. Let us drown on shukar Protect us from every Na shukri Na kadri Protect us from every Ungratefulness Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi Give us tawfiq To focus on our salah To remember you in our salah To remember you in the day To remember you in the night Grant us a tongue That remembers you you can't just a heart that remembers you Can't just a mind that's thinking about you <laughs> Ya Rabbi Kareem. fill our mind With the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah And fill our heart with love for you And Nabi Karim May Allah take out from our mind All the filth Take out from our mind all the waste. And a Bikrim, take out from our heart all the unlawful feelings, the unlawful emotions, the unlawful desires. a Bikrim, you are our muzaki haqiki. a Bikrim, grant our nafs its taqwa. Fill our nafs with taqwa. Fill our heart with taqwa. Do our taskiya ya Rabb. Indeed, you are the best and truest ones who can do our taskiya. You are Allah Kulli Shaykh Qadir. You have power over everything. Yaira, apply your kudrat on our nafs. Make our nafs into nafs mutmina, ya Ya yeah. you are the wali of our nafs, the mola of our nafs, yeah. the wakil of our nafs, the rab of our nafs. Ya yeah. purify our nafs. Make our nafs into an obedient slave, Ya Rab. Make our nafs into a loyal slave, Ya Rab. Protect us from every disloyalty. Protect us from every betrayal. Ya yeah. make us better spouses. Make us better parents. Make okay. us better children. Okay. Make us better friends to one another. Ya yeah. soften the hearts of those around us. Okay. Incline the hearts of our family members towards the... Protect us from the enmity of the enemies The envy of the enviers The hatred of the haters The evil of the evildoers And Ya Rabb Protect everyone else From the fitna in our nafs From the fitna in our heart From the evil in ourself Ya Rabbikarim If ever we have hurt anyone We ask that you forgive us for that hurt Give us tawfiq Ya Rabb To make it up to them To patch up with them Ya Rabbikarim Put peace, love and harmony Between the hearts of all the mu'mineen Ya Allah Ya Rabbikarim Ya we ask that you give us tawfiq, you to do sugar for our alms, sugar for our ease, sugar for our comfort. Ya Rabbi make dua for all the women and men in the world who don't have such ease, who don't have such comfort. Ya Rabbi grant them ease when they have difficulty. Protect them when they need it. Be their rescuer when they have none. Be their guide, Ya Rabbi And accept each and every one of us, Ya Allah, for khidmat of deen, da'wat of Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi ربنا تكمل منا انك انت السميع العليم انك انت التواب الرحيم الله تعالى على